0: We've had everything from I flew my drone into the tree in the park and I need someone to get it down for me. One woman hired two people to dress up as stormtroopers and walk her down the aisle of her wedding. So we have got all sorts of things every single day. It's pretty crazy.
1: Side hustles. It might be a relatively new term, but the concept of having your own business or making extra income on top of your normal nine to five has been around for a long, long time. From kids washing cars to your grandmother selling knitted dog jumpers at the church fair, we've all been side hustling forever. But why then in the pandemic does it feel like it's booming? And how do you manage someone who's got a passion project on the go? This is Working It from the Financial Times with me, Isabel Berwick, and I'm joined from New York by Taylor Nicole Rogers, who is the FT's US Labour and Equalities Correspondent. She's an expert in how, where, and why people work. Taylor. Hi, Isabel. Hi. <laughs> Let's talk side hustles. From your perspective, do you think it's grown in the pandemic,
2: and is that a sign of the times? It's funny because we actually saw the exact same thing happen after the global financial crisis about a decade ago, where work options become few and far between, or maybe they're just not the work options that work for people with caregiving responsibilities and and things like that, public health concerns now, where people just really strike out on their own.
1: Right. So it's more flexible than a formal second job. And I think particularly in the US economy, it's probably quite easy to
2: have a side hustle, would you say? I wouldn't say it's easy. A lot of people complain about the fact that you need to have a side hustle to provide for yourself and your family. Right. So
1: it may not be an Etsy thing. It might be something that is
2: simply getting by in the pandemic. I think a lot of people romanticize side hustles. I mean, it could be anything from having a fashion blog to, like you were saying, a craft that you're selling on Etsy. But it could also be driving for Uber on the weekends or maybe delivering food on DoorDash. But you also see a lot of white collar workers go freelance just because they want more flexibility, like you were saying, whether that's the ability to work from home permanently or work in another country or just not be tethered to someone who's telling you what to do all day.
1: I think we often look at side hustles from the hustler's perspective. But what about the manager? It must be really hard to manage someone who's got these other things going on. And do you need to be fair to them if you challenge it? Will you have to acknowledge you're not paying a fair wage? Have you heard of people who've had to challenge side hustlers, Taylor? I I think I have.
2: Absolutely. And I think being a journalist, this is something I think about a lot because a lot of reporters have side hustles. Like they might be a commentator on a news network or write a book. And particularly in our industry, a lot of employers have been cracking down on that, on saying, well, we're going to have a stake in your other venture if it's related to your main career. But because of the labour market we're in right now, where workers are in high demand, I've seen a lot of employers kind of backing down on things like that because it's very easy for a worker to say, well, you don't like my side hustle? That's cool. I'll take it somewhere else. There might never have been
1: a better time to set up your side hustle, creatives. And that voice you heard at the top was Tim Fung, who's the co-founder and CEO at Airtasker. It's a website where you can post jobs you need doing or advertise your services as a handy person who can do those tasks. He came up with the idea after moving house and borrowing his friend's van, and he thought there must be so many people who want to make some extra money for jobs like these.
0: That was the genesis for Airtasker. Since then, we've actually started connecting a lot with the taskers in our community, the people who are making money through Airtasker. And during that process, we started meeting people who had told us that they'd been made redundant from their job, and they were able to use Airtasker to be able to make ends meet during that period. Or others that had said, hey, I've been wanting to go on a holiday and I've used Airtasker to save up for that. But I think actually what might be An interesting type of skill that you might not think is we have a tasker on the platform who loves to make crocheted fruit hats. So, you know, he's found a way to be able to crochet fruit shaped hats and monetize that and make an income from it.
1: That's brilliant. So thinking about the listeners, what would be your advice for managers who want to support people or not? You know, what's your advice for managers for people who are developing a side hustle outside the main line of work? Should they frown on it or what's the best way to go forward with your own staff?
0: I think that working flexibly and having inverted commas side hustles is something that's going to become more and more part of the future of work. So I think our rule at Airtask is as long as it's not impeding your responsibilities and your ability to deliver and, and be accountable for your work at Airtask, we're super encouraging on side hustles. And I think that managers are best to embrace that future of work rather than fight it
1: i really like what tim's saying but what would it actually look like for a manager to embrace a staff member's side hustle and how have other companies embraced their staff's desire to spend time doing other things taylor do you think there is a better way to manage this and a worse way what have you come across
2: I think managers really need to look at it like another workplace benefit. Like we talk about, you know, having great coffee on tap or paid vacation time. I think part of that needs to be flexibility for workers to establish their own brands outside of their main jobs. I mean, for a journalist, like I was saying earlier, it could be something like book leave to go on a book tour. For someone who has a jewelry business on Etsy, it could be giving that person the ability to work from home to make it easier for them to pack orders after work. I think it really depends on what the person's business is, but managers have to be open to giving people that flexibility so they can do all the other things in their lives outside of their nine to fives.
1: I'm interested in the craft business. I mean, we used to have a craft fair before Christmas at the FT where staff would bring in their pots and jewelry and that kind of thing. And I just wonder if it's easier to embrace that kind of business. Perhaps it seems less threatening than, you know, a full blown other business on the side that is maybe going to take over for that colleague. Do you think it's perhaps because these kind of craft and maker businesses are often quite female focused that they're seen as less
2: threatening to the main job? I think that's definitely an element of it. But what comes to mind for me is the element of competition. Like, For most large companies, like if you work at a large bank, for instance, your employee making bracelets on the side doesn't compete at all with your main business. But if we go back to journalism, maybe them writing a book about something on their beat does. So I think the way a lot of managers have looked at it in the past is, is it going to compete with this person's affection for my company?
1: Do you think, I mean, this is obviously extreme productivity. These people are working in their time off from their main job. Is that better for the economy or does it mean that people are losing focus and being less productive in
2: their main work? Small businesses are always great for the economy, especially here in the U.S. And especially if they grow to the point where they can employ other people. But I think what it shows about the economy is that something in the main way we conceive of work is broken. If a person can't get that fulfillment that they want from their main job or the financial support they need from their main job to support a family, that's when people have to go out and do something on the side. And do I think that having a model of work that doesn't allow people to feel fulfilled and financially supported is bad for the economy? Absolutely.
1: So clearly there are important economic reasons why people have side hustles. But here's Tim on some horrible tasks that people will always pay other people to do.
0: What's incredible is all around the world, a lot of the behaviours and a lot of the tasks that people need done are incredibly similar. Even down to things like pricing, when you translate from pounds into Aussie dollars, a lot of those things are very similar. Of course, there are uh, some niches, like in Australia, we have a lot of people buying tasks like spider removal, because we've got lots of dangerous (laughs) spiders uh, in Australia. And perhaps uh, in the UK, we're seeing other types of services, like people having their townhouse garden beds remade.
1: I would definitely pay for spider removal in London, I have to tell you. (laughs) So listening to all of this, Taylor, my overriding feeling is that side hustles are all based in trust and how we as managers and employers trust our employees. How do you think corporate America deals with trusting its employees? Have they got
2: better during the pandemic? I don't think so. I mean, I think about the example of work from home. I think a lot of employees thought that their employers would trust them to continue working from home after they ran companies from home for almost two years. But we're seeing that that hasn't really been the case and a lot of managers are still trying to push people back into the office. So I think we'll kind of see the same thing when it comes to side hustles. I think managers will continue to push employees to lay them aside or minimise them or give them up altogether.
1: I feel as though side hustles are going to become another part of our identities. In just in the way we've been talking about that a lot in the pandemic, you know, it's only going one way. And do you think corporate identity is going to be less important as a result?
2: Absolutely. I think people have really realised that there isn't too much left when you take away your work identity, especially here in the U.S., where we tend to work longer hours and take less vacation than workers in other countries. And so people during the pandemic have really started to focus in on what are all of my identities and how can I express them throughout the entire day, including in the office. And I think being able to celebrate your passion project, your side hustle, or even just the fact that you have to work a second job to provide for your family will make a big difference.
1: Right. And I think as managers, it's only going one way, isn't it? I mean, how can micromanagers keep people? They can't. When you reported on this recently, what were the main reasons people gave for quitting their jobs? Because they're quitting in record numbers,
2: aren't they? Yeah. You know, there's that generic expression that's kind of like people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. And that is absolutely what I have heard during the pandemic people who thought, you know, my job is good enough, I can make it work, I can survive, I can push through. Before the pandemic, were like, okay, yeah, maybe I can't. And I don't want to spend the next 30, 40 years of my life suffering for eight hours a day. And so they just quit.
1: So as managers, we have to support our staff with side hustles. And if we don't, we're going to lose them. Absolutely. Many thanks to Tim Fung and Taylor Nicole Rogers. If you want to read more about side hustles, I'll post links to FT articles on the subject, including one about a banker turned bamboo socks seller in the show notes. And follow Taylor's reporting on US employment trends by searching Taylor Nicole Rogers on FT.com. And please do get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We're at workingit at ft.com or with me at Isabel Baric at Twitter and Instagram. Working It is produced by Novel for the Financial Times, thanks to the producer Anna Sinfield and executive producer Joe Wheeler, with research from Pippa Smith and Lee Meyer. We have editorial direction from Renee Kaplan and production support from Persis Love. Join us next time when we'll be talking about the role of whistleblowers in the evolving workplace.